You're now listening to the Boys in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Good evening and welcome to episode 140 of the podcast. Cody, Abrams, and Melbourne, uh, all three of us back with you for this. And we're going to return to our division rankings. We're getting set to talk about the Central Division before the start of the NHL regular season in a couple of weeks. Guys, how we doing? Doing really good, Hart. Back from vacation. It was awesome. Like We went to Vancouver, spent the week there. It was a lot of fun. Got to do so much. Usually on these trips, I'm a little worried that I'm going to feel like I got enough done, but I felt so accomplished with everything we did and everything we saw. And It's hard to come back from BC. Like If I could copy and paste my friends and family to BC, I would move there tomorrow. Yeah, damn. That sounds like fun, dude. I've always been told you know, before I settle down in Toronto and start the rest of my life here that I have to go and live in Vancouver for at least a month just because like, it's just different and I've never done it. So maybe I'll, I'll take that advice one day and do it because I've never been, I would love to go. Um, I had a fantastic weekend boys. Like, I don't know if you guys saw my, my Instagram stories and whatnot, but, um, you know, my nephew Maverick came and visited because uh, it was Brooke's birthday. So I got to see him all weekend. He's 10 months old. Uh, we got to take him to his first Maple Leafs game in Toronto, a preseason game against Ottawa. Uh, the Leafs ended up losing, but you know it was fun to go. And thanks to Ryan. Shout out to Ryan for the tickets there. Uh, Ryan McLaughlin. Great tickets, great seats. Uh, so that was super fun to go to. Also, on the same day, uh, before the game, I actually met Michael Bunting. I told you guys about this, so I'll tell you kind of how it happened. It was so weird. We were at the distillery district. Um, it was it was myself along with uh, my friend Ty, his new fiance Christina, and some friends there of uh, you know the the eventual wedding party. We were taking some engagement photos essentially at the distillery district. We see this guy walk by, and he has a great like deep emerald suit on but he's across the parking lot and we couldn't really see you know who he was or whatever but we saw him walking around before and didn't think anything of it except for that suit is great so he walks back but this time on our side of the sidewalk with his girlfriend and uh, one of my buddies is stops him and is like hey man like we all commented on the color of your suit like that's a great like deep forest green color what do you call it or like what does the guy call it at the store and he was essentially like, oh, like, you know, I don't know. I just asked the guy for a green suit and this is what he gave me. But yeah, it's pretty cool. I like I like it, too. And his girlfriend said something like, yeah, it's a great color, whatever. And then as they kind of start to walk away, I wasn't really paying attention to that conversation. And nobody else noticed that it was Michael Bunting, probably because they're not like, you know, diehard, crazy Leaf fans like me. But as him and his girlfriend were starting to walk away and as they turned, I noticed I was like, wait, like, I'm pretty sure that was Michael Bunting. And then as they're walking away, my friend Ty is like, are you sure? I'm like, I'm pretty sure. And then Ty goes, he yells at him. He goes, hey, Michael. And then he turns around and he's like, you're Michael Bunting, right? And he's like, yeah, I am. So then now that we got confirmation that it was, I yelled at him. I was like, are you playing tonight? And he's like, yeah, I am. Because this was at like, uh, this was at like three o'clock and the game was at seven. 
and just preseason, right? So I guess players are able to do whatever the hell they want. And uh, he's like, yeah, I am. So I'm like, I'll see you there. And then he took off. So I regret not getting a photo with the guy. But like just the way it happened, it was so quick. And because it was like a conversation that happened on the side and we weren't really paying attention to who the guy actually was, I probably should have yelled and been like, hey, can I get a picture? But I also didn't want to be that guy to like distract him from his day. You know, was it seniors night where you were? yeah that's the first thing casey said when i told the guys that i ran into michael bunting he's like tell him he should retire because he's too old for hockey now (laughs) but it was cool like then we got to go see him play the game and like he got into a bit of a scrum and uh, i think he had an apple and he was all over the ice so it was kind of cool you know that i had seen him just hours prior to that so overall really fun weekend out of context that comment makes no sense to people so i'm just gonna mention sure he's way too old to be in the conversation for the calder we've had this argument a million times that's why i'm saying that yeah yeah good clarification for sure (laughs) no it's always cool whether it's a star player or you know just a guy that you know and recognize and watch on tv playing hockey for whether it's your favorite team or for someone else it's always cool to recognize them and run into them out in public for sure yeah i'm glad i got to see him uh during his time in Toronto, because after this year, he's probably going to get a hefty pay raise and most likely it's not going to be in Toronto. So I'm glad I got to to meet him before he disappears to Arizona or wherever again. <laughs> I was just going to say he'll get a big deal in Arizona after yeah. this year and he'll be going back seven times seven or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I had a good weekend too, guys. Uh, Case, you mentioned you had a great time out in BC and uh, I, I have the bug, man. Like, I want to go back out there since I was out there a couple of years ago uh, for a wedding. I wasn't in Vancouver, but I was in Revelstoke for a wedding. And uh, it's just beautiful, man, with the mountains and everything. It's awesome. Uh, Chad, glad you had a great weekend as well. And uh, I spent some time in Ottawa. Uh, Ironically enough, the team that Toronto played twice in a couple of preseason games over the weekend. So I was there, got to see a Red Blacks game on Saturday night. So that was fun, even though the Red Blacks got pumped. And, uh, yes, and <laughs> yeah. And then uh, the day after, we had uh, Sens Fan Fest at the Canadian Tire Center. So that was a lot of fun. Bumped into uh, a few people from Brockville that came down for it that are Sens fans. And uh, that was that was really great. So, yeah, it was a good weekend for me as well. They would have went up for it. Ottawa's north of Rockville. But anyway, just saying. Oh, what did I say? Did I say it came down yeah, for it? No, I'm just making sure. Yeah, went up top. Yeah, no, you're right. You're so petty, Jack. <laughs> I'm just bugging him. I'm just bugging him. <laughs> no, thank you. My geography skills are a little, <laughs> little icky. Anyway. Um, Huge shout out to SeatGeek for sponsoring the podcast. SeatGeek is a ticket app that takes all the confusion out of buying tickets. SeatGeek makes it extremely simple to buy tickets to all of your favorite sporting events, including Jays and Leafs games, and you can always find a great deal. On SeatGeek, all tickets are scored on a scale between 0 and 10, so you know if you're getting a good or a bad deal. Green is good and red is bad. Plus, Boys in the Booth listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase on SeatGeek with the promo code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. So click the link in the description to download the app and remember to get your discounted tickets using the code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. Get great seats for a fraction of the cost with SeatGeek. 
Summer is here and you know what that means. Extreme sports like spike ball and road hockey have returned and so is day drinking. The problem is we're not as young as we used to be and these summer activities can be draining on our bodies. When you push your body hard or just feel run down, it's extremely important to stay hydrated. When you make hydration a priority, it helps you feel healthier on a day-to-day -day basis. Enter Liquid IV. Whether you're playing sports or nursing a hangover, Liquid IV has you covered. One stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates faster and more efficiently than water alone. It contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. It's made with premium ingredients, non-GMO, and free from gluten, dairy, and soy. The kicker? This stuff tastes good too, guys. Liquid IV has incredible hydration flavors like watermelon, strawberry, pina colada, and more, but my personal favorite is lemon lime. So get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth in all caps at checkout. So that's 25% off anything when you order using the promo code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth all caps at liquidiv.com. Experience better hydration today at liquidiv.com. Shout out to Cocktail Bomb Shop for sponsoring the podcast. Cocktail Bomb Shop is a Canadian woman-owned small business and all of their cocktail bombs are proudly handmade in Montreal. Well, what is it and how does it work? Step one, you pick your favorite flavor of cocktail bomb and unwrap it. My favorite is definitely mojito. Step two, drop your cocktail bomb into eight ounces of sparkling water and watch it fizz for five minutes. Step three, add a shot of your favorite alcohol, some ice, and enjoy it. Fellas, gents, boyfriends of the world, these cocktail bombs make the perfect gift for your lady friend because not only are they tasty, but they're Instagrammable as well. Right now, if you go to cocktailbombshop.ca and use the code BITV15, you can get 15% off your entire order. That's cocktailbombshop.ca. Use the code BITV15 at checkout for 15% off. All right, let's get into it, boys. So uh return to our division rankings we've got three divisions left to do and we're going to talk about the central division so we'll go one through eight and uh let's see if we have around the same projections for the standings in this division so i don't think this is going to come as a surprise to you guys or to our listeners but uh for me at least i've got the defending stanley cup champions the colorado avalanche at the top of this division obviously there were some changes to the roster this offseason darcy kemper gone he's now in washington nasm kadri is now with the calgary flames those are the two uh probably biggest changes that happened to this roster but you know they brought in evan rodriguez they brought in anton bleed i think as another depth forward and uh alexander gorgiev to be the uh the another uh the other goaltender with pavel francis so i don't really see this team taking a step back uh, I, I think they're going to be in it again to try and go for back-to-back -back Stanley Cups. They just locked up Nathan McKinnon. 
highest paid player in the NHL now by just a bit, just over Connor McDavid now at 12.6. So talk, that's talk good. That, that had to be so intentional. Like 100K more. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. But uh, I, I don't see this team taking a step back. So uh, I've got the Avalanche in uh, in first spot in this division. Thoughts? I, I put them here too. I'm with you. Wasn't as easy as I wanted it to be. I kind of contemplated them not being here. I do think they're going to take a little step back this season. I don't think they're going to win the West. But that being said, I do still have them in the first. Uh, and that's mostly because of the superstars on this team. They're game changers. Uh, there's multiple of them, too. McKinnon, Ranton, and Landeskog. Uh, that first D pair is so good. Makar and Taves. Like, Makar is being talked about as being the, one of the best, if not the best player in the league now. It's like, yeah, thank you very much. Uh, but, Chad, if you came in here with just a ripping argument to put these guys second, I wouldn't even blink. I'd be like, yeah, sure. Yeah, well, I mean, to be honest, Case, you're not going to hear that from me because, like, I still think this team is so good. I think they got a little bit worse, um, you know, on account of some of the subtractions they've had to their lineup. You know, losing Kadri as their second-line center, that's not nothing. He had an incredible year last year, and now when you look down the depth chart, you know, they've got guys who can fill that position like Alex Newhook or JT Comfer, but they don't really have a, a bona fide second line center, yeah. like someone it's who you look around the, the league and, and you're like, that guy could be a second line center on every team, you know? So that's the one thing that really stood out to me. I do like the Evan Rodriguez ad. I'll say that. I think that was a, yep. you know, a sneaky good ad because on an offensively minded team like Colorado, and if Erod is able to play top six minutes, like that guy could could have a career year, you know. So well, I did last year, so it would have to be a pretty good good year to be a career year two times in a row. I I know, but the thing I'm is, I'm not he, saying it's impossible. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying last year was a great year for him. So it was. It if he was. can be that much better, then that will be huge for this team. Yeah, and, and the thing with him too is that he got off to a really great start last year while the Penguins had some injuries and he was playing more minutes and, and more, you know, more meaningful minutes with better players. And then as the Penguins kind of got healthy, you know, he was pushed down the depth chart. So now if you look at Evan Rodriguez on this team and you kind of slot him into top six minutes playing with, you know, some of the best players in the NHL, arguably, uh, you know, you could you could do some damage, and if you get some power play time too, I could see another uh, career year coming for him this season. On D as well. It, uh, first of all, I didn't preface this, but this is kind of how I like to do it. If if this is your first time listening to, uh, you know, one of these standings project, projections, predictions, whatever you want to call it, I like to go through forwards, defense, goalie, and say if they got better or worse. So we've established for Colorado losing those key guys up front, including Burakovsky. I don't know if you, we mentioned Burakovsky, but no, we didn't. Yes, yeah. thank you. So, yeah. so losing him as well. Like I think it's clear that their forwards got a bit worse. They're going to need guys to to kind of take that next step and improve. You know, guys who they acquired at the deadline, like Lekkinen, is going to have to play a more prominent role now on this team so their forward group i think got a bit worse not really overly concerned though i think they'll score by committee still and they still have game breakers their d pretty much the exact same although i think they're even better now that bowen byram is a is a year older and you know kale mccarr i don't know if you can say he can get better because he's already the best defenseman in the league but yeah like their d no concerns there and then in net I think they're the exact same position as they were last season. Like 
Kemper, you know, you might look at him and think, okay, maybe he's more of a bonafide starter than either Fransuz or uh, Georgiev because Georgiev struggled last year. But like Kemper was not great in the playoffs and they still won the cup. They were still the second best team in the regular season too. So I don't think goaltending is going to make or break this team. And I think their tandem is just fine, especially because I really liked Fransuz last season. So overall, I don't see them taking much of a step back, but 119 points again, that's a bit tough to to replicate for any team at any time, you know. Yeah, thoughts yeah. on that spiel? <laughs> I think I think they're taking a step back in goaltending. Um in my opinion, I think Kemper gets doesn't get enough credit. Um, he was good in the regular season. He wasn't great in the playoffs, that's fair. We're not talking about the playoffs right now. We're talking about the regular true. season where true. they're going to rank. And I don't know if uh, I 1B, 1C, I'm going to call this. I don't think anyone says that, but <laughs> I don't think it's going to be as good as Darcy Kemper. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, Georgiev did have a, a tough, tough season last year, and you need him to bounce back if if goaltending isn't going to be an issue. It sounds like he's going to be the starter, to be honest. It seems like that's why they brought him in. <laughs> Did you see his comment uh, in, in the press conference? They, they asked him what it was like trying to cha- or get used to a new system with a new team, and he goes, I stopped the pox. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Just classic. <laughs> Classic goalie from Bulgaria. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I do have a little bit of a concern with the goaltending. I actually think that Fransuz ends up being the starter. I know you're kind of looking at it like Gorgiev is going to be that guy. He's younger and kind of, you know, the one to, you know, be ready to step into that opportunity. But um, I just, there's some question marks there. Obviously, he had a really tough year last year and just, Hasn't been the same over the last year and a half, but I mean, they're just such a powerhouse up front. Kemper was good, but he wasn't world beater good. And because he had such a great team in front of him. So it's a little bit of a concern, but not a huge one. Yeah. All right, let's move on. So at number two, and honestly, this is where it might get a little dicey. Like we were saying off air, like, Number one, Colorado, I think, you know, predicted that you guys would would be picking the defending Stanley Cup champs to to be at the top of this division as well. And then we know who's going to be at the bottom in in seven and eight. And we'll get to that a little bit later. But, um, you know, the rest of it sort of in that middle is is where it was tough. But uh, I've got the St. Louis Blues, the the 2019 Stanley Cup champions in uh, in the number two spot. I think they're really deep up front. They just locked up Thomas and Cairo on long term deals, and they are in extension talks early on here with Ryan O'Reilly as well, who uh, still, even in his early 30s, is one of the best two-way forwards in the game. Uh, Pavel Buchnevich was a huge ad last uh, last season. I know that they lost David Perron, and uh, and you know he was a big part of that team. But I don't think it's a it's a major loss. They've got some young guys that can step in there, like a Jake Neighbors, maybe in a depth forward role, and and that sort of thing. And not too many concerns on the back end as as well. Justin Falk had a big year last year. There's obviously Pareko, who's a monster. The only concern I really have is the goaltending. 
can like what kind of Jordan Bennington are we going to get? He kind of struggled through the regular season. It was Billy Huso's net, uh, and now he's the guy again, and Thomas Grice is behind him. Uh, but Bennington did play well in the playoffs, so we'll see what we get there. But I think this is a very deep hockey team still, and I think that uh, their window to contend is still very much open, and I've got them in the number two spot in this division. What do you guys think? I think I could put them anywhere from uh, two to four. If I look at this team, there's a lot of things that um, there's a lot of things to like. And then there's some things that you just never know what's going to happen with them. Like, for example, the back end, Justin Falk had a monster year last year, uh, a year before that, two years before that. Not very good considering his contract. Um, there's also a, a question about. Uh, some other guys on the back end, like Nick Letty and Bertuzzo, I, I, I don't know what type of player they really are anymore. Same as the uh, the goaltending, Bennington. Um, he was a backup goalie a year ago. Now he's going to be looked at to play a starting role again, and I still don't know what to think about him. That means I love the, t- love the top six. Love this team's top six so much. There's a lot of goals being scored here and uh good center core as well so i like them a lot but i don't have them at second so chad i'd like to hear what you have to say about them before okay i put my rank okay i also don't have them at number two in case i liked what you said where uh, like when you said that you can see them finishing anywhere between two and four because that's kind of how i feel too i feel like after the fourth spot that's kind of where i draw the line in terms of like my my tier rankings here but i've got st louis at three and that's not because i don't think they're a great team but you know i i think they are pretty good but they didn't really improve much and they finished third last year in this division with 109 points which is pretty good that's you know that was good enough for ninth in the nhl i think they're going to be pretty much right around that spot i do have some question marks though about their goaltending like you guys mentioned um what kind of binnington are we going to get this year you know um not having a guy like Vili huso to kind of carry the team in the crease all season because we know just how good he was all year basically until the playoffs where binnington took over um but you know as we mentioned already we're not really talking about the playoffs right now we're talking about ranking the teams and where they'll finish in the regular season so goaltending is is definitely a bit of a concern uh their backup position you know got a bit worse with you know they they added thomas grice we'll see what kind of goalie he is this year you know he had a couple tough years um in detroit but he was good in long island before that so you know it's the same question for bennington it's like what kind of grice are we going to get this year um in terms of their forward depth like Losing Perron sucks. I really like Perron, and he didn't get that much money in in um, Detroit. And like I thought he was going to get more, to be honest. And I do really like Perron. He was a good fantasy player for me last season. But I don't think it's that difficult for them to lose Perron and, and still be a competitive offensive team because they had like what nine guys who had over twenty goals last year. Like, I don't think it really matters that much, despite the fact that I like the player a lot. They're going to be looking for guys like Jake Neighbors to step up. And, you know, this will be his first regular season with the team. So we'll see what he can do. But the three spot for me feels a lot more comfortable than the two spot, just because there are a couple other teams that I would consider uh, for number two as well. So I'm going St. Louis three. 
I have them at three as well. And Chad, you're right. They need all the guys up front to score 20-ish goals because really this back end <laughs> sounds stupid to say, but these defensemen play defense. They're, yeah. I'm not really expecting any of them except Krug to jump in and be a point producer. Falk did last year, but I'm not expecting it every year. Um, you know, Preko, we thought we were going to have that maybe a few years ago, kind of died down, but he's a good defenseman. So it was Letty, so it was Bertuzzo, Scandella, uh, Nikola, or Mikla. So like, they're all good defensemen. So they're not adding in to, to the, the scoring, but what I will say is it does make me feel a little better about the uh, uh, them protecting the goal tenders and, and that voodoo that's going on there. So that's what made me comfortable in putting them three and not four. Yeah, and just to touch on their back end too, I hated the Letty deal, by the way, but he kind of fits this team perfectly. Like, I think they paid him too much, but I think he does fit what St. Louis is trying to do. He also had like 129 playoff games played before the age of like 27. Yeah, like that's that's not nothing. Like, that's impressive in its own right. But, you know, maybe they don't sign him. They're able to keep Perron. They make the money work that way. But, you know, it kind of goes to their identity. And we know what this team is all about. They're built for the playoffs. Like, we know Mm -hmm. this. And once they get in, like, they could could go on a run for sure, especially if they're able to add at the trade deadline. But... Case, I totally agree with what you said on the back end that like they don't really have a lot of guys who contribute offensively aside from Krug and, and you know, Falk in the past. We'll see what he's like this year. They have a lot of guys who can make a good first pass, but a lot of their defensemen aren't very mobile. So you're going to be looking to, you know, third line scoring players to to really carry that, you know, because you're not going to be getting, you know, offensive points from your D-men. No. That's for but sure. The- they're a hard back end to play against. Like even Krug, for being a, an undersized defenseman, throws his weight around pretty well. Yeah. So we have St. Louis then, you and I, Case, at number three. Yeah. And Harp had them at two. So I uh, think we're so, going to disagree about number yeah. two still, me and you. Sorry, so. Harp. Uh, who do you have at two then, <laughs> Case? Who do you have at two? Two. I, I'm trying to help you out here because I know you like a little clickbait. Um, you know, the second one will shock you. Yeah, I know who you're going to say. I <laughs> this was my audible, my last second audible, I said, and I put Nashville. At I knew two. it. Man, I love that team. The more I stared at the screen, the more I looked at their death chart, the more I was like, why do I like this team so much? Um, so I don't know if you want me to go ahead and, and start talking about Nashville or if you want to say your number two. Um, I, I can do it here. It's up to you. Well, Okay, Okay. maybe we'll do this. How about, Harper, tell us who you have at, at the three spot then to, to see if it makes sense here. So I have Nashville in the third spot. Uh, I, like, I'm with Case. I think they had a nice little offseason adding some key pieces. They added Nino Niederreiter really late and then added Ryan McDonough for next to nothing to an already ridiculous back end. They've got UC Saros, who could go out and win the Vesna Trophy this upcoming season. Um, Pekka Rene, who just got hired by the organization, by the way, he said that Saros is the backbone of this team. And I truly believe that, that they don't win if he's not net. And uh, the only question that I have with this team is if Johansson and Duchesne can keep producing and keep living up to those contracts 
Um, I, you know, not expecting Duchesne to go out and score 40 goals like he did last year. I'm not so much concerned with him. It's more with Johansson, in my opinion, just production-wise. But I like this four group. Another year for Tanner Janot, another year for Tomasino and, and Tolvanen and some of these guys. I, I like the Predators, man. And, and those two key ads, again, I'll go back to that. Niederreiter up front, uh, he just he fits in really well with that four group, I think. And then adding McDonough to a back end that already has Yossi, Ekholm, Fabro, uh, Carrier. It's ridiculous. So I've got Nashville at three, but I'm yeah, willing yeah. to move them up to two because I really like what they've done. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Um, that backbone comment, I say in these rankings, I don't like putting too much weight in goaltending anymore because it's absolute voodoo. But where I do like putting weight on it is when they have a superstar goaltender that I can absolutely lock in, and that's Saros. So I feel really good about him. And then when you have one of the best decors playing in front of him, like I, I absolutely love this McDonough ad. And he's not the guy he used to be. We, we know that. We recognize that. But playing him with an Ekholm or a Fabro, like, that's a great pairing. And then whatever one you don't pick is going to play with Yossi. Thank you very much. Lazone and Carrier like that third pairing. So I really like all de- defensive aspects of this team, including a very hard to play against third line in Trenin and Genoa and Sissons. Uh, like that's fantastic. I, have, I loved watching Trenin last year. That guy was ruthless, just flying into corners. And like, I feel like he was bloody every time I watched the Nashville Predators play. He's, he's just a wrecking ball. So that's uh, a lot of fun. And then, yeah, the top six, Duchesne and Johansson, even if they take a little step back, I still think this is a good top six to compete in this division, especially with Josie freaking dishing pucks to these guys. Really like this team. We got Philip Forsberg into full form here. He's loving life. Great contract now. Um, there's a lot of like to like about this team. And I, I think that they're the second best team in this division after after staring at this death chart for a while. Okay, so you guys have Nashville at two, Case, and you have them at three, Harp. I have Nashville in the fourth spot, and like... I know you do. We, we, we kind of, you know, we talked about how between two and four, it's kind of a toss-up, so let me, let me say what I have on Nashville, and then we can finalize the one through four rankings and, and mention the other team that we haven't yet that I would assume we all have as our fourth of the top four and that's minnesota I'm, I'm just going out on a limb here if it's different we can talk about it but i'm just going out on a limb here so nashville um i do really like the team and i originally had them in third spot but then i bumped up st louis and you know i already mentioned that i thought minnesota was going to take a step back in uh last episode actually when i was arguing that kirill kaprizov could win the heart trophy but like i just look at these three teams, and I think they're all so close, but this is the ranking that I decided on. So, and, and this is my rationale for Nashville being in the fourth spot as opposed to second or third. I think they just have too many candidates for regression. I think you look at that full first line, you look at Forsberg, Duchesne, and Johansson. They all had incredible seasons last year, but who knows if that continues? Like, we haven't seen Duchesne or Johansson be that good in a long time. Um, 
like we knew it was there, especially with Duchesne, but we haven't seen him put it all together um, in a while until last season. And I just don't know if that's sustainable. I'd have to look at the underlying numbers for that to, to get a clearer picture of it. But those three guys up front for sure, for me, are our prime regression candidates. And then on the back end, Roman Yossi almost had a hundred points last season. And I know he's extremely good and has been for a while, but almost a hundred points for a guy, uh, you know, last season, even if it is Yossi kind of surprised a lot of people, you know, the fact that he was outscoring defensemen like Makar and Hedman and, and John Carlson and other guys like that. It was, it was a bit shocking. I know he's really good, but to me, I don't think he sniffs even, you know, in and around a hundred points this year, because I just think, you know, if you look at his career, this is the first time he's been absolutely unbelievable number one scoring defenseman by a long shot in the NHL. So um, that's another candidate. And then in net, like you, you guys know how much I love UC Saros. I think he had an incredible year last year and he's been really good, like within the top, you know, five to 10 goalies in terms of my favorite stat goal saved above expected for the last three or four years. But the problem is, and Harp, you said this, uh, you know, it, verbatim. If he's not in the net, they don't win. So I think that's a problem right there. Even though I don't mind, you know, their their new backup situation. You know, you've got Kevin Lankinen in, and then you've got Big Save Dave Riddick out, and Connor Ingram. You know, as a, as a third still, and that's okay. I think their backup position actually got better, but I just don't think that you can rely on UC Saros to be an absolute game breaker again because even if he takes a slight step back and he is closer towards average but still above average I don't think they win as many games as they do last year and I don't think they come out of this division with almost 100 points like they had last year so that's my argument I'm willing to move them up because I still really love this team's depth and uh you know they could prove me wrong this year a lot of things could go right for the team they could finish second in the division uh, and I'm willing to put them there if if you guys you know truly think that. But that's just my spiel spiel on uh, Nashville at number four. The thing with regression and when we're talking about these players in particular is I think that the only thing that's going to happen here is they're going to get brought back to the mean. Yeah. And these guys have all been very good in the past and had a couple bad seasons. We're not talking about you know when you brought up progression in the past you bring up maybe like a for Hagee is the first yeah. one that comes to my mind wasn't very, he came out of nowhere had some unbelievable seasons regression is expected um with these guys they've been good Duchesne's been a superstar Johansson's been a very solid first line center Forsberg has the skill I'm not going to say there's a huge history of Forsberg he's always been good he hasn't mm-hmm. been great he's been good but where I see regression happening with these guys is it just brings them back a little bit to the mean where these guys should be. And Duchesne should be better than the last couple of years before last year. Johansson should be better than he was the last two years before last year. So I think, you know, it's in Johansson or Josie. He's always been a superstar. So yeah, 100 points, probably not attainable again. But it's just going to bring him back a baby step. So I'm really not worried about regression as much as as you might be. And UC Saros, like, frick, I'll play him 68 games. We'll have a good chance of winning 68 games. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and fair enough. Like like I did say, I really love this team. I love their depth. You know, I don't even think we've mentioned a guy like Cody Glass in in their bottom six, but he'll be there. He'll be he'll be doing some some work there in the bottom six, mm-hmm. and then you know guys like like Tomasino and and whatever. Like they've got a ton of players. And Jano came on the scene last year and had an incredible year after being. Oh, was good. That's a fantasy player for you. Too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, in, in a banger league like ours, he's a fantasy yeah. player that you need because he makes something <laughs> happen. He hits. He scores. Yeah. But again, that's <laughs> another guy who, like, who knows what he's going to do this year. I compare a guy like Jano to a guy like Michael Bunting but in less favorable circumstances because they're both a bit older. They kind of came out of nowhere, had like 60 points and who knows what they're going to do this year. The difference is Bunting is going to play with the second best player on the planet and Janelle is going to play on the third line Nashville Predators. So I don't know. Like, it, like I think that a lot of players are probably going to regress. I just don't know if it's going to be so much that they're going to be worse than what they were last year does that make sense like i think they're still going to be pretty good and they're going to be a playoff team and i'm excited to watch them i just i i'm hesitant to put them above third or fourth but i'm willing to move them for the sake of of argument here so is that what we want to do we do nashville number two st louis number three because casey and i agreed on st louis and then move on to the number four spot works for me yeah sounds good it's my exact ranking i'm not gonna argue it (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i I, i'm good with that um i had the same issue you did case i just it was hard for for me to have nashville down at at three i just i I really like the team and you know if duchene and johansson can each go out and have like at least 50 points each i think that's very reasonable for a prediction from those two and just as long as the forward depth is there which i think it is and some young players like we mentioned taking a next step like a thomasino a tolvan in geno produces again i think they'll be fine and then on the back end it's looking good like it always has so i'll, pre- I'll predict uh Duchesne having more than 60 points okay yeah fair Not enough i than 60 points but I, I I could see it for sure. Um, he is he is a talented player and and always has been. All right, so I'm good with that. So we've got Nashville in two, St. Louis in three, and uh, yeah, the next team we're going to touch on obviously is the Minnesota Wild. And I know that uh, there are some question marks and oh that they're going to take a step back because of the cap situation that they're in with the Parise and Suter buyouts. They lost Cam Talbot this off season. They lost uh, Kevin Fiala. That was the biggest one. Him going to the LA Kings, but this is still a very good hockey team. I think you had some players there like Ryan Hartman, for example, who just came out of nowhere, had a huge year, like talk about a regression candidate right there. And and Ryan Hartman, in my opinion, but a lot of good players coming into this lineup on really good value contracts on cheap entry-level deals you've got Matthew Boldy who was just a stud when he first came in and actually helped Kevin Fiala's production last season Marco Rossi expected to be on this team even a guy like Sam Steele who they signed for just over 800k I think um 
and is still a young forward and just needed a change of scenery. I think that could be really good as well. And they still have a solid back end. It's still all the same guys there. They re-upped with Jacob Middleton, who fit in really well there. John Merrill early on in the season. And uh, Flurry and Gustafson isn't a bad tandem at all. So uh, I think Minnesota still going to be a good hockey team, still going to be a playoff team. And like we were saying with St. Louis, if they can just get in, that's all that matters. They could go on a big run. They've got the superstar winger and Kaprizov, obviously, as well. But uh, I've got Minnesota just down a little bit in that fourth spot. Uh, still like this team. Just think there's going to be a slight step back. But I think they're going to have some guys on some cheap contracts that are going to uh, really help them out during this uh, kind of tough spot that they're in with the Parise and Suter buyout. So uh, I've got Minnesota in fourth. Just a thought on the wild. Yeah, uh, kind of agree with you on most parts there, Harp. Um, definitely think that there's a little step back to be happening here. The thing that maybe scared me off of putting them at number three was I expect there to be some growing pains uh, from October to December, and then this team's going to be really good in the, the later half of the year. Um, I say growing pains because, like you said, maybe Boldy and Rossi and um, Sam Steele on a new team. Tyson Jost really only played since the uh, trade deadline. Like, there's a lot of new faces in this uh, forward core that I think it's going to take a little working out in the in the first couple months. And those are important points when it comes to playoffs and where you rank at the end of the year. Um, I don't like the decor as much as I I have in the past. Uh, I think it's pretty simple for me to say that compared to what they've they've had before. And I expect this is the year we start seeing flower decline. So I still think this team is good. And I still think they're a playoff team. And then anything can happen in there because they crash and bang. Um, I just think that the growing pains early in the season, the lack of a real number one C, uh, a slightly worse decor and the decline of flower all puts me at four for them. Yeah, I mean, makes sense. I don't think Flurry is like that great in the first place and he's only getting older so he's only bound to decline so i agree with that i also agree with hartman likely going to regress because that season came out of nowhere last year too so i'm glad that you mentioned that harp um losing fiala i mentioned that uh last episode in our hot takes episode and i said you know that's actually a good thing for kirill kaprizov if he can still put up the same numbers without his running mate and kevin fiala that helps his case for the heart trophy uh, especially if he you know wills them into you know second or or third in the division and they have a really good year but uh yeah like i i don't disagree with really the arguments that you guys are saying here about minnesota being in the four spot i originally had them in two uh but i guess i'm i'm conceding here and they'll go down to the four spot the only thing that maybe i'm a bit higher than you guys on uh for for this team are the younger players who are coming in like matthew boldy when he played last year i think he had like like i'd have to to look at it i don't have it in front of me i think he had like 35 points in over like 45 games or something and like it wouldn't shock me if he was just shy of a point per game this year if he plays with Kirill Kaprizov totally forgot that he played that many games yeah I thought he only played like 15 or something like that for some reason but maybe I was thinking about how many goals he had which was 15 yeah Uh, I I'm like not disagreeing about the young players on this team I think they're all very good 
I, I'm just saying it's going to like the first two months. It's going to be some important points dropped. Is was my point there? Yeah, yeah, and that makes sense. Um, and then a guy like Marco Rossi, like we haven't seen as much of him in the NHL. Like I don't think, like I don't think he's played over ten games, right? Like he still has his. They didn't burn a year of his ELC, right? Because he was hurt, and so he still has a lot to prove. But I know that he is a fantastic prospect for this team and you know he's hoping to make the team out of camp and and you know go from there and see what happens so i think there's going to be some sneaky good players on this team and then of course like their third line with you know guys like marcus felino and joel erickson eck is always good and their depth there is good they're hard to play against they're fast they hit so like i think they're going to be good i think they are going to take a slight step back and you know, I don't think that's really a bad thing because they had an incredible year last year with 113 points, finishing fifth in the NHL. So I think to match that would be tough. And even in the second spot where I originally had them, I still don't think they would be getting 113 points just because I think this division is is weak. Like you mentioned off air before we began, Harp, that this might be the weakest division now in the NHL. It, you know, it might have overtaken the Pacific as the worst, <laughs> worst division. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Chad, you mentioned Joel erickson Wouldn't he be their number one center coming into this season? I think it'd probably be he, Ryan Hartman. He is in preseason and camp. He has not been playing with Kaprizov and... Uh, Zuccarello. Yeah, because I think okay. what they want from him is a defensive role. Like I don't think yeah, they, no. they expect much. So you no, and, and that's and that's a good point as well. Like he could be a you could pick him as a dark horse for the Selkie. Like he he is a very good two way center. Um, doesn't put up a ton of points. So yeah, that makes sense. But um, I, I like I look at him as a guy who could be their number one center. Just because, you know, we were talking about Hartman regressing, but yeah. we'll I just see think how for it shakes team, out. For team I think fit, it, I don't think it makes sense. I think he probably will be eventually. Yeah. yeah. Like, the, I think he might be center. their best center, but for different yeah. reasons than, you know, what you need a guy or, or than what you need in a guy to play with Kaprizov for, you know, like. Right. Um, well, I mean, fair, but possession matters so much with players yeah. like Kaprizov and he can win some faceoffs. True. So. I think you start them in the offensive zone a lot with those guys. Yeah, and and that's that's probably the case, and you'll see him on special teams as well to get possession and whatnot. But if you look at five on five, like I'm sure his D zone starts are just crazy because that's what he does. He wins faceoffs and he plays solid defensively. But one thing I I really didn't touch on was the goaltending on this team. I just think it's it's really funny that you know last season Cam Talbot was an all star, right, and and he had a, a great year. Uh, well, I mean, pretty good year up until the All-Star break, and then he kind of regressed a bit. And the year before that, Marc-Andre Fleury won the Vesna, And we're not really talking about either of these guys because it's I don't think it would make that much of a difference. Like, goaltending is so, so weird. And I, I just don't know what to to think of this tandem, to be honest. Like, it could be really good. It could be really bad. It could be average. And I just, I really don't know. So I'm looking forward, actually, to kind of seeing how that shakes out and and to see if they made the right decision. Because Cam Talbot is going to be playing a heck of a lot of games in Ottawa. And, you know, we'll see which guy does better and, and if they made the right choice. I just can't wait to see, this is a little off topic, I know, but I just can't 
wait to see the way the wild look in like three or four years, just with all of the prospects that they've been able to put into their system. Like they're a competitive team right now, a playoff team. This will be a slight step back. Like we've talked about, but man, like Billy, uh, Billy Garen has done a good job of stocking the cupboards at the same time. Another two first rounders this year. We mentioned the goaltending. Yes, for Wallstead coming up, he's playing preseason games. So anyway, just kind of a side note, this team's going to look pretty good, I think, in three or four years. Yeah, the problem is you're not going to be able to sign anyone because they've got 14 million bucks against the cap of dead money <laughs> for the next, like, decade. <laughs> like, Paying two guys playing on different teams $14 million. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're, yeah, you're paying that to Parise, and in the meantime, he's making league minimum or whatever it is playing on the island yeah (laughs) oh that's tough anyway so that's minnesota so there's our top four and uh we'll get into the bottom half of this division now so this is like five and six i think they can be flip-flopped in in my opinion it can go either way uh but this next team that that i'm going to talk about who i have in the fifth spot and again it was tough. I, I kind of went back and forth, but uh, I, I do think they're a good team on paper. And uh, they, you know, I know who you're talking story about. Story of their yeah. lives. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, you know, things things got a little stale last season and everything just kind of went wrong. But I could see this team bouncing back. And I do think the new head coach is going to have a big impact on their success and them being able to bounce back this season. And obviously I'm talking about the Winnipeg Jets. So I have them in this fifth spot. Um, Not a lot of changes. The roster didn't change too much, which is surprising. I know that there were conversations about moving on from Blake Wheeler, who just had the captaincy stripped away from him, obviously. Um, And, you know, he seems to be embracing it, which is good. And no surprise that while we're still in this kind of flat cap era, recovering from COVID, that... uh, no team wanted any part of taking on his $8.25 million contract. And also Winnipeg wasn't willing to retain salary in a trade. So he remains a Winnipeg jet. Uh, and I just think there were a lot of guys that just had down years last year. Nikolai Ehlers, who got hurt. Mark Shifley, who can be one of the best two-way centers in the game. They've got one of the best goal scorers in, in Kyle Connor. <laughs> And, um, yeah, and, and, you know, Connor Hellebuck is still a very good goaltender. And, and Rick Bonus, the thing with him is that he's a really good communicator. He's a player's coach. And I think a guy like that who has a lot of experience could be really good for, for that team. He obviously stepped into a tough situation in Dallas when Jim Montgomery got let go. And uh, he was really good for the guys there. And I think that, you know, things have been tough these last couple of years in Winnipeg. I think bonus could be really good for them and help them turn it around. They'll be playing meaningful games all year, but I just don't have enough in them to put them into a playoff spot. But I think they're going to be competitive and they'll be better than last year. So a thought on the Jets. Yeah, not that I'm blaming this on Paul Maurice by any means, but this was a locker room divided for a long time. 
and hopefully Rick can come in and fix that. But there's still drama with this team, and there, it's like I feel like it just has such an impact on them. Like captaincy stripped, uh, Pierre Luc Dubois probably leaving next year and was supposed to be leaving this year. Like when you have guys talking about leaving all the time, it's just so shitty on team morale. And then your captain's stripped and there was arguments between line A and them before it's like, God guys, like you're making million millions of dollars to play a professional sport. Let's just <laughs> fucking play. Um, weird team, weird team. This one always looks good on paper. Not always that good. They also have one right winger signed to the NHL and AHL currently. Um, so I guess Blake Wheeler is playing right wing and then everyone else are centers, maybe. Um, yeah, it's like, it's a really weird team. I don't know. I don't have much else to say. I don't really love the back end, but I don't hate it. The top six is great but they aren't producing like they're supposed to. I don't, I don't know. Weird team, don't know where to rank them, can rank them five or six. I don't really care. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've got them in the five spot. It is a very so weird team. Sorry? So do I. Oh, okay. So we, we've all got them at number five then. It is a very weird team. The problem with Winnipeg for so long has been that they have so many good individual pieces but they can't come together as a team to win games. And Harp, I said I disagree when, when you said that Shifley was one of the best two-way players in the game. No, he's not, dude. That guy does not play defense. He sucks at defense. Him and Blake Wheeler are the two biggest players on this team in terms of you know, how much they get paid and, and their, you know, their aura around the team. Like This is their team still. Neither of those guys play a shred of defense. It's insane. Like, if you watch it, uh, a Winnipeg Jets game, it is, it's shockingly bad. Those two guys, for sure. And, like, I noticed this last year when they were playing against the Maple Leafs, and I, I wasn't the only one. Like, I, I listened to uh, Steve Dangle talk about this exact same thing on his podcast last week, and he was like, man, these two players do not play any defense, and the data backs that up as well. Like, they're terrible. So... I, I wholeheartedly disagree that Shifley is a two-way player. He's not. I think he's selfish, and I think uh, Wheeler is too. And I think if they don't make the playoffs this year, they should have a wholesale on this team and just just sell every player you can because it's not working. Like this core, you've had it together forever now, and you've added to it, and you've built around it, and you have a Vesna-caliber goalie, and they can't win shit. Like, it makes no sense. Like, either work together as a team, make the playoffs, and, and make an impact, and have a good season, or fire everybody and sell the whole farm. I, like, it's brutal. I, I would probably hold on to, like, maybe Kyle Connor and Perfetti. Yeah, um, I mean, the Adam fact Martin, that... that <laughs> the, and then, like, Ehlers, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, the fact that Kyle Connor can score 50 goals, which he probably will this year, wouldn't shock me. He scored 50 goals and, and Ehlers can be over a point per game. And you've got Perfetti coming up who can be the, you can have the same kind of production in the future. Like, and you still can't win a playoff round, even with those guys. And I didn't even mention the big two on your team and your Vesna caliber goalie and your back end. That's pretty solid. 
offensively and defensively. Like, it makes no sense, guys. Like, I think we're realizing now that, you know, guys like Truba, guys like Line, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, weren't the problem. It's this core. It doesn't work. So if mm. it doesn't work again this year, like this, this should be their, their last dance. They're all or nothing. Like this should be the year because they've been in, they've been <laughs> mediocre for so damn Amazon. long. Yeah. You're not Amazon. Get in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, boys in the booth have been commissioned to do it this year. I'm going to film it on my iPhone. Um, but no, it's just, it's just been it's this team is terrible, guys. But that being said, I think they have so many good individual pieces under a new coach and with a new leadership group in their dressing room. Maybe they're able to get it together and and push for a playoff spot and that's why i have them at number five they just have too much talent to suck this much ah no it's it's been frustrating to to watch the jets the last few years i wasn't expecting that take on mark shifley i didn't even realize i thought big center i thought he was a a pretty good two-way forward but anyway if the data is there to to back it up then there you go and I, guys, like I have not been a fan of Blake Wheeler for a long time. I, I I have to tell you, I think that he's just got too big of a of a personality, and is just I think he's very demanding of others more than himself, and has talked about before how he has to be a better leader, a better father, like all this kind of stuff in an interview that he did with Sarah Orleski uh, with with TSN. I don't know if you guys remember seeing that, but um, yeah, clearly there's just there's still something there with these guys. And I agree, like if they're not going to make any headway and be a playoff team like Kevin Dayoff says they are expected to be this year, then I, I think you, you look towards the future. And this draft that they just had, those two first-round picks, I think definitely helped. So if they can go out and be competitive this season, uh, or if they stink and don't produce and underachieve like they've been doing, then they should be set up well, I, I do like the the two picks that they got in in McGrory and and Lambert uh, in that first round. So um, it's it's going to be really interesting to see if this team can turn around. I did hear something uh, just from Elliot Friedman talking about the Jets not too long ago that uh, even Dustin Bufflin and that whole situation and him leaving that locker room. I think had a big impact on that core as well. They've had a lot of big names go and and I mean there's, you know, clearly there there are some issues there with this core. So, anyway, uh moving on to the 6th spot and uh I think we're all in agreement here that uh it's the Dallas Stars in that spot for us. Uh obviously the the big question mark going into this regular season is Where's the money for Jason Robertson and what does that deal look like? I think it's going to be a bridge deal. They're just, they're not able to commit to him long-term because if they were going to, they would have to do some cap gymnastics. That's for sure. And 
that number over a seven, eight-year deal, I think, would be bigger than the eight-year deals that we saw for Thomas, Cairo, and Stutzla, for example. Robertson has been just a better producer flat out. He had 41 goals last season. So he's such a huge part of that team. And obviously, Pavelski and Hintz to round out you know, like the top three that is in that forward group. I'm just, I'm really concerned about the depth in this forward group. And on the back end, a little bit, there's some aging guys back there. Um, you know, I mean, besides Merrill Haskinen, who's fantastic, uh, there are some aging guys back there. And then what are we going to get with this goalie tandem of Jake Ottinger, who I think is really good, but when he's off, can Scott Wedgwood be that full-time backup? So anyway, Dallas and six, what do we think? It's amazing that this team's goaltending can go from Ben Bishop, Ottinger, and Hudobin to Ottinger, John Gillies, and Scott Wedgwood. Scott Wedgwood and John Gillies were like the Devils third, third goalie for the Devils two years ago. Like, it's amazing how the mighty have fallen. Um, I'll, I'll work backwards this time because I just talked on the goalies. Yeah, what are we going to get from Ottinger? Um, I like him. The D, there's like two defensemen I like on this team. Um, that's it. The rest of them kind of aging and, and unpredictable. Uh, and then what type of Sagan, Ben, Marshman are we going to get this season? I add Marshman in there because that's a guy candidate for regression, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, Four and a yeah, half they, times four for him this yeah. offseason. That's insane. Before they got Robertson done, they did that's that. A, that's the thing. Is this team, it, management's ready for the handing of the torch from Ben and, and Sagan to, you know, Robertson Heiskanen, but they're not ready to hand the torch with some cash. It's like, get Robertson signed, please. He's like one of the best yeah. players in the league now all of a sudden, and, and you're not going to give him any money. Um Stop talking bridge deal with this guy. Just get him done. Yeah, legit. Something I forgot to mention about Winnipeg, by the way, just going back a little bit, is that their backup is Big Save Dave, who was borderline unplayable last year. So if Hellebuck's not in the net, like, I don't know what the hell's going to happen there. <laughs> um, for Dallas, though, I like Ottinger. He had an incredible playoff. Like, we were talking... That, you know, he could be in the con Smythe conversation if if he got Dallas to advance in the playoffs. So, like, that's how good he was, guys. Like, he yeah. was the yeah, only like reason they were in that series. Um, but we've never seen him play a full season. So, you know, how many times have we seen that? An incredible young goalie. The thing is, usually they're not young. We usually see incredible goalies who have been around for a while. They get their one shot, and they're really, really good. and then. The next season, they kind of falter a bit. It is a bit different with Ottinger because he's young and he's been a developing prospect for a while. So we'll see what he does in a full season. But God, that's a that's a bit of a tough tandem. Also, I want to correct the John Gillies comment. I said John Gillies because I got all confused with Scott Wedgwood and Arizona and the New Jersey Devils and John Gillies. All of that melding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gillies I, is now Gillies is in Arizona. Back up in that's, Arizona. Yeah, that's that right. Was my yeah. confusion. That was like, <laughs> oh god. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh no no worries. Hey, case, it's okay. The Devils had like what eight goaltenders last <laughs> season, so <laughs> Yeah. Well, now we have a 
nice little uh nice little situation going on yeah it's not bad and we'll get if, to that if, in a couple of weeks sure. if they're healthy <laughs> If they're yeah. healthy, that's the they're thing. Healthy. Well, Jonathan Bernier isn't, but they, he's practicing no. with them. That's good. Like he's playing. He's in scrimmages. So, anyways, that's two the uh, the One. the last thing I'll say about Dallas, and we've talked about this before in Instagram DMs and just off air, but this team has a pretty solid prospect pool, in my opinion, Great. and so kind of like what I was saying with Minnesota that. You know, we predict them to take a little bit of a step back with the cap situation that they're in, but they've stocked the cupboards. And say what you want about Jim Nill not, you know, willing, not being willing to pay or more of the owner, Tom uh, uh, Gagliardi or whatever it is, but, um, you know, not willing to pay Robertson right now, but they do have the the cupboards stocked with guys like Johnston and Stankoven and and those guys for the future. So, um, yeah, kind of just the same as as we were saying about Minnesota. And Wedgwood was good with Dallas mm-hmm. when he came over in a very short period of time. But Wedgwood is good in the first five games he plays with every <laughs> team he gets traded to. Okay, yeah. he, he gets Arizona their first win every single season. Yeah. <laughs> he had a great setup too though in, in Dallas so I'm looking forward to seeing what he does this year I always love it how it's like the backup slash third string guys like you know David Riddick always has great setups and then like you know a guy like like Eddie Lack for example remember him he used to always have great setups but he couldn't I think quite... maybe they were third guys because you can see their pads so well <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's the case uh, but yeah. last thing on Dallas here just like I look at their back end and they're far worse without John Klingberg no matter what you think of the player whether he got overpaid underpaid whatever whether they should have kept him or th- you think they made the right decision to let him go they're they're still worse without him. Uh, you know, you've got guys like Ryan Suter and uh, Colin Miller playing in your top four every game. It, like that's that's tough to have two of those guys in your top four. Like we talked about how Suter is getting older, and you know, so you're going to be looking to Heiskin in and and Lindell really to to carry the load on the back end. But I just don't love the team. They have no depth either, and they have a ton of you know guys who who either were good and aren't anymore or like were good last season, like Marchman and like, I expect to regress completely. So I just, I don't love their setup, especially without Jason Robertson to kind of carry this team offensively. So we'll see, maybe Dallas can surprise, but I think the sixth spot in this division uh, makes a lot of sense for this team. Yeah, there's a good chance, I think, that my hot take from last week about Jason Robertson is going to come true here and that he could miss some regular season games due to this contract holdout. Because if that's a seven or eight year deal, that number is going to be massive because he's been a, a big producer already. Mentioning the back end as well, I think all the more reason for them to really see Thomas Harley take a step. Yeah. as a young player on a good value contract. Um, so kind of a, a lot of comparables between Dallas and Minnesota, in my opinion, um, both in tough cap situations. By the way, Sagan's going to be the highest paid player in the league this year. <laughs> I meant to mention that. million bucks. 
What the hell? I meant to mention that. <laughs> Clearly, that's just how his, his contract was structured. Yeah. But I, I saw that today, too, and I thought that was hilarious. Oh. Making more than everybody. Like, Connor McDavid, you know, Austin Matthews. Like, everybody. That's insane. Yeah, it is. I'm not so much worried about him. If he can stay healthy, he can still be a contributor. But, man, Jamie Benn at nine and a half million bucks. No, thank you. Um <sighs> Anyway, so moving on from the Dallas Stars and uh, these last two teams should be pretty quick, I would think. Yeah, yeah let's fly so, through this. All right. Yeah. So uh, at seven and eight. So at seven, I've got the Arizona Coyotes. At wow, seven. I don't. I have Bold. Arizona. I have, Arizona is an AHL team playing in an NCAA <laughs> and I have them last in this division. The the mullet arena. So obviously it'll be another year of the rebuild for for Why? these guys. Yeah. Why is it called yeah. that? Do we ever get confirmation on that? Uh, I don't know. But like great name for a hockey arena like just very ironic but, but like why well, do they not even have a sponsor like i don't like are you trying to make money and build a good team or not like i don't get it i don't get why this franchise is still in the nhl i <laughs> i don't get have it good either jerseys. <laughs> Oh, great. Oh, my God. Great jerseys. But anyway, looking at this team, I think there will be some slight improvement, but they're going to be sellers at the deadline. I think like Chikrin's going to go at some point. He wants to go and wants to come back in and play well and get traded to a contender. Goss Despair, he's going to be another attractive piece to move. The guy had 51 points last season. Big bounce back here for him. They could probably get a nice, uh, you know, some nice pieces for him at the deadline as well. But the core is there. Like you're seeing who the core is on this team. I think there will be some slight improvement, but another rebuild year and another year to be in the draft lottery. So quick thought on the Coyotes and then we'll get to the Chicago Blackhawks to wrap up. I've already said it. They, they have four forwards who are solid NHL players and <laughs> two and a half defensemen that's about where i draw the line two of their d pairings were the analytically fifth like top five worst pairings in the league last year gossip spared mayo and uh the swiss lad there moser and um strawman who's no longer there were the right. other one that were just brutal so now they're going to lose Chikrin too. They better get a, a heaping pile back for him. So sick about talking about it. I have to get that jab in there every time we bring it up. <laughs> yeah. And man, it's like not this all this team's bad. And then goaltending was the only thing that really went well for them last year, other than maybe like Schmaltz having a great season and Keller. But goaltending is I expect regression here because it's. Valmecca, he was not supposed to be that good last year. And now they have John Gillies, who I watched be the worst goalie last year. Uh, Drove me insane, but I don't have much else to say about this team. I think Chicago has a few players who can steal games, and that's why I have them higher. I agree. I've got Chicago in the seventh spot, Arizona in eight. Case, I have to correct you a little bit because although Vamelka was flashy and interesting that he had some good games last year 
analytically by the end of the year, he was one of the worst goalies in the league. Yeah, it was like he yeah. stole he stole some he was bad most games and then he would steal some ridiculous yeah. wins from like Colorado and the best teams in the league. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess I should correct myself on that. He did he came up with some big wins and was good early on. Yes. But definitely uh fizzled out. Well so, playing yeah. that many games with a team in front of you that looks like that, that's gotta be exhausting. So <laughs> like anybody yeah. in the net there isn't gonna have a fantastic year. So Arizona then will agree on the seventh spot. Or or sorry, in the eighth spot, that leaves Chicago for number seven. They still have game breakers like Patrick Kane who's going to get traded at the deadline. Uh, and Jonathan Taves is still okay. And they've got, you know, they brought in Max Domi and whoever Every else. player on this team is an NHL player. Yeah. That's why I have the higher than the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah, that's right. Oh, and I'll Maybe. say this. I'll say this about uh, Chikrin too, before we get off Arizona for too long. Uh, he could be an Ottawa Senator right now, but Sens management doesn't want to give up Shane Pinto. That's a joke. That's right. That's a joke. Get him. <laughs> like, come on. Anyway, sorry, yeah. Case, to interrupt you about Chicago. Ah, it's just they have NHL hockey players on their team. Yeah. It's pretty simple. Uh, they're trying to solve the Seth Jones analytics problem that he, he's not very good on defense with putting a absolute giant kid beside him. So that might work out. I don't know. Is that, uh, is that Alex Vlasic you're yeah. talking about, yeah, Case? Six foot six. Yeah, like a hundred ninety pounds. Yeah, so but like but he, still, he's a shutdown defender. He's a defensive defender. Yeah, mm-hmm. he he can shut down. Yeah, some guys. So maybe it's good to play him with Seth Jones. But like, I really don't love the decor here at all. No, um, the goaltending's just as scary. And then forwards, it's like kind of last chance you here. All of a sudden, like yeah. a lot of guys getting their like last <laughs> shot at the NHL. Legit. I, or, I like that. Or playing on this team to try to, you know, play meaningful minutes up front and, and yeah. try to put up points so that you can be flipped at the deadline to a contender. Exactly. Like a Max Domi yeah. or Max uh, Domi, Blackwell, Johnson, uh Andreas Athanasiu. Yeah. All those guys are like licking their chops at the trade deadline. Yeah. And I'll say this exactly. about Chicago too before we wrap up. I'm glad that they finally have committed to a rebuild. You know, I think trading Kirby Doc was was kind of the first step because he wasn't really working there and they saw that they could take advantage of of the deep draft last last year or the the most recent draft and they did it. So, you know, good for them. I'm glad that they finally figured out that, you know, despite having Patrick Kane, you're not a team who could compete for the playoffs. No, Kyle Davidson is uh he's being bold. As a as a rookie GM, they went into that draft with no first round picks, and they ended up with three, which was really cool to see. And they took um, Korchinski, Nazer, and Rinzel, so that was really cool to see. And I do also love the Luke Richardson hire. Mm-hmm. And even though Jonathan Taves, for example, has been very vocal about how he's not happy about the direction of this team. He has said that Richardson has been a uh, a, a really good presence so far with the club here early in, in training camp and happy to see him get a shot. And uh, I think he's the perfect guy for this team uh, in that rebuild mode. Also, Lucas Reichel will be a young player to watch out on this team this season. Yeah. All right. 
Well, that does it. There we go. One through eight for the Central Division. Our uh, division rankings continue next week with the Metropolitan Division. Get ready, Case. We're going to talk about the New Jersey Devils and that new goalie tandem and all of the other teams in uh, in the Metro next week. So uh, stay with us for that. Have a great week. Enjoy the preseason hockey, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks so much. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. New episodes every Monday on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at www.patron.com slash boysinthebooth.